Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The opening verses of Mark's Gospel is where we've spent the last few weeks. They serve as kind of a prelude to the ministry of Jesus. In the first 20 verses, all those verses before our Gospel reading for today, Mark kind of takes care of a few things. First, he gives a summary of all the prophecies concerning the coming of a Savior for the world. Jesus gets then baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin, John. Then Jesus is led into the wilderness where he begins his war with Satan. Some say that that was kind of his seminary years. And then he returns from that battlefield out in the wilderness and he chooses his disciples, which is what we looked at the last couple of weeks. And so now he has spanned from the birth of Jesus some 30 years or so, just in a few verses. And with that, preparations have been made, the prelude ends, and the ministry begins. Ready? Set, go. And here we have the first account. In the next verses, today's Gospel reading, we see that Jesus' ministry begins in earnest with this synagogue skirmish with a demon. It marks a battle which the the Son of God has come to wage. As if Mark is announcing to us, this is why Jesus is here, is to to win this war against demons. In this story, we see the whole of Jesus' ministry distilled into a single episode. And as we consider together this conflict in Capernaum, we're going to discover at least two truths that are made unmistakably clear. And the first one is this. This story teaches us that Jesus is the enemy of the powers of evil. He's at least an equal force and a more dominant force, in fact. More power than even the demons. And this warfare that Jesus has come to wage with demons, with evil... Satan is going to be a war without compromise, without apologies, without retreat, and with no treaty possible. Now, years ago, I learned living in snow country when I lived both in Kalispell, Montana, and when I lived in the Twin Cities. I learned a lot about something I didn't want to learn about. And that was shoveling snow. And I learned that if you, I learned over time, uh, after the initial panic of snow shoveling set in, I learned eventually that over time, if you don't want to shovel your walk or your driveway, you don't have to. I mean, your neighbors may get a little upset with you. You may get a notice from the city of St. Paul But no one can really make you shovel your sidewalk or your driveway. 
The truth is that if you ignore it long enough, as I discovered, eventually it will go away. (laughs) It might take forever, but it goes away. Now, that works with snow, but it doesn't work with much else in life, especially with evil. Looking the other way, pretending it's not there, um, that's rightly called denial. Now, it certainly would be easier if Jesus would just get on with his teaching and with his miracles and get to the cross and save us all from our sins, ignore all that evil that's loose in the world, but Jesus just can't do it. This demon bursts into the synagogue right in the middle of a good sermon. He'd probably been working all week on that. And the demon bursts in because it can't ignore Jesus, because it recognizes who Jesus is. Ah, you're the Son of God. This threat that had moved into its turf, this divine power that was disrupting his neck of the woods, his playground, the demon recognized him. And the demon's grisly voice, like it was straight from the movies, some of you saw The Exorcist, that's a good voice. I was going to try that with the kids, and I thought, no, I might scare them. Like, like I'll see you in your bedroom tonight. <laughs> but this demon says, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? And in those questions... Even the demon speaks the truth. Because that's precisely what Jesus had come to do. To do battle with the demons. So the first thing this account teaches us that is that Jesus is the enemy of the powers of evil. Secondly, the story also makes clear that not only had Jesus come to wage war with the powers of evil... But he will be the unquestioned victor in that war. I mean, the demons give it a good shot, but it's clear from the start they don't have a chance against Jesus. Jesus recognizes the demon right away. And Jesus dismisses him and brushes him off like a fly on his shirt. He says, be quiet. Like he's talking to a yipping dog or something. He says, come out. Come out of that man. And the evil presence inside that man threw him to the ground, Scripture says. Shook him violently, convulsing him. And shrieked its way out of him. Defeated. Named. Identified for what it really was, and this troubled, broken, confused man is suddenly set free. Great story, really. Now, the crowds who witnessed it, we're told, (laughs) 
were amazed. I guess. They marveled at His teaching, Mark says. At His power, at His authority. No kidding. And I love this part. News about Him spread quickly through the whole region. Kind of giving us a new, fresh take on our word today that we call meetings for. Like, zoom! Out the news went. Now, perhaps you're asking something like the demon's question of all of this. I mean, that's a nice story, but what does that have to do with me, with us? We're learned folks. We live in an enlightened age. We discounted and downgraded this demon business long ago. We realize that we have power, some power within ourselves to fight things, to change things, to resist things, to manage these kinds of things. We have some power inside of ourselves. We're wired so that we can do battle with the things that twist us into knots and tempt us most of the time. We talk up the power of the human will. We want to say we take charge of our own destiny. We tell our kids, you can be anything you want to be. Which you really can't. We tell each other to be strong. To learn more. To be more. To get better. We say to our kids, toughen up, buttercup. March on. Now surely you and I know that in spite of our satellites and our sciences and our surgical lasers and Bluetooth technology, that we haven't come all that far in this department since the first century, really. Sin still causes us problems. Power still corrupts. Pleasure seduces. Selfishness tends to want to rule the day. Some of you know that it's been a a sad, tough week for me. Buried my mother yesterday. Uh, David Saturn lost his husband a week ago. I had a big community funeral here. The place was packed yesterday or Friday. Been pondering those things and at the same time preparing for our business meeting and all the other things they need doing during the work during the week and I just sort of find myself emotionally spent. I know many of you have been in the same place. Now I'm just going to call it what it is. Dying and death is a demon. As are other things that weigh us down and break our hearts and distract us from God and from attending to one another and to the business of the kingdom. 
Let's just call those things what they are. Those are demons. We sometimes lose sight that there are demons still that move and shake in the world around us. We sometimes forget that Christ has come for us to plug into Him. To be a power that helps us through those kinds of things. We don't meet a microwave Jesus in Scripture. We just don't pop Him into your life and push the button and a couple minutes later the problem is cooked. No. This is a war. There's convulsing. There's tears sometimes into the night. They're shrieking. It can be painful shaking off the demons. Well, the war's not over, folks. It's difficult for us to see the demons often, but it's not for Jesus. It's hard to name and to claim the demons, but not for Jesus. And once those demons are gone, they're not gone forever. They keep coming back, those buggers. Think about, think about Jesus. Now he does this war with the demons in the desert, and the demons keep popping up. And even in the last week of his life, the demons pop up inside of his closest disciple, inside of Peter. And he has to look Peter in the eye and say, get behind me, Satan. They keep coming back. They don't stay gone forever, even for Jesus. So what? What do we do with this? Well, I say that we lean on Jesus. I did yesterday, my mom's service. We use his word, we trust his power. His authority. We trust that He can help us. We stay on watch. We stay alert. We watch for the demons. And as we walk, we walk in grace and mercy. Most often we experience that as forgiveness. If you've experienced Jesus' power, in your life, and I know some of you have. It's changed your living. It's changed your priorities or your relationships. What I invite you to do is to spread the good news. Because we want those demons running scared. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always. Amen.